What's up, NFL Study Hall Nation? It's Cade. I'm back, getting ready to dive in to Pro Bowl weekend. Yes, I know, we just had the Super Bowl locked in, Chiefs versus Bucks, and I'll get into the conference championships game. But today, I'd really love to focus on a game that I think has lost its meaning in modern day NFL football, and that's the Pro Bowl. This is a when you make a Pro Bowl, it's a statistic that's on your resume for the rest of your career, and I really don't feel like players get enough credit for it. So that's going to be our main focus today. Plus, there's more talk about Deshaun Watson, so I will dive into that as well. Where is he going to go? Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? We're going to talk it all. But first, let's look back at the 2021 Conference Championship Games. First, it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Green Bay Packers. Final score 31 to 26 in favor of the Bucks, and honestly, this was a game of more the Packers losing than the Bucks winning. Tom Brady throws 3 interceptions. Rodgers throws an interception as well. I mean, the Packer offense really just didn't find a groove in this game, especially late. Matt LaFleur calling that final field goal instead of going for it on fourth and goal was very questionable. You've got a Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers on your roster, your fourth and goal inside the five, and you decide to kick the field goal and pray your defense can hold back the greatest quarterback of all time from just getting a first down. Not the way you probably should go about that. And plus, so you're down eight points, right? If you go for it and miss, they're inside the five. That's when you trust your defense to do some work. I didn't like the call. Now, did I think Green Bay deserved a win? That's questionable. I think Tom Brady and the offense, other than the three picks, played very well. Really spread the ball around. Chris Godwin had a good game. Mike Evans had a great game. Scotty Miller had that massive touchdown with eight seconds left in the first half. So I think Brady and the offense really played well outside of those interceptions. Defense holding Aaron Rodgers. I kept saying it all season long. The reason Brady and the Bucks won in the regular season was because they put pressure on Aaron Rodgers. If you put pressure on him, he might fluster out a little bit, and that's exactly what happened in this game. Bucks go to the Super Bowl for the first time since 2002, and Brady, in his very first season, is again in the big dance for his 10th time in his career. 10 out of 21. That's insane. He has more touchdowns in the postseason as a Buccaneer than any other Buccaneers quarterback in the history of the franchise. That's a little crazy in my mind. Moving on to the second championship game, a blowout, Kansas City over Buffalo, 38-24. to And any doubt we had of Mahomes being injured or going to get flustered or whatever we had absolutely got thrown out the window. Mahomes, 29 of 38, 325, three touchdowns. Tyreek Hill, 172 yards again. I said last episode that Travis Kelsey would have 120 yards and a touchdown. He had 118 yards on 13 receptions and two touchdowns. Pretty darn close if you ask me. Also an aspect of this game that was really overlooked is Damian Williams. 13 carries, 52 yards and a touchdown for Kansas City. He has shown in these playoffs to be the man in the backfield for Patrick Mahomes. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been injured, hasn't been himself since the beginning of the season, and I don't think Le'Veon Bell is a pro running back anymore. Damian Williams is there, is probably going to be their man come Super Bowl. Buffalo, you go out to a good lead, but you blow it in the second quarter. Josh Allen didn't look great. Stephon Diggs held to just about 80 yards. That was the key to this game. The Chiefs picked up on it. Buffalo couldn't rush the ball couldn't throw the ball. This was all Kansas City in this game. Perfect game plan. I mean, the game plan for the Chiefs was impeccable. Stop Stephon Diggs, force Allen to throw the ball in tough situations and run the ball. He couldn't do it. 28 of 48, two touchdowns, interception. 
He had seven carries for 88 yards rushing, but when your quarterback's your number one rusher, other outside of Lamar Jackson, that's not going to get it done against the Kansas City Chiefs. Well done, Chiefs. So now the Super Bowl is set. Bucks, Chiefs in Tampa. First time a team has gotten to play a Super Bowl in their own stadium. And all I got to say is that to that is only Aaron, only uh, only Tom Brady. Only Tom Brady could make that statistic happen. Congratulations. I'm sure looking forward to it. I'm not going to get into my picks and statistics now on that game. I will save that for later next week. But it's going to be one exciting game to remember. But now I'd love to look into what was supposed to be this weekend's game that was unfortunately canceled due to the pandemic. The 2021 Pro Bowl. And... To credit these hardworking athletes, I'd love to go over who actually made the Pro Bowl and what their statistics were in the season. Because as I said, it is an honor to be part of the Pro Bowl. No matter how soft it might be as they changed the rules last season or what fun activities you get to do beforehand in the skills challenge, to say you were a Pro Bowler truly means something. So let's go over who was elected for the 2020 Pro Bowl for each conference before the start of the postseason. First, quarterback, we'll go to the AFC first. And the three quarterbacks for the AFC, Patrick Mahomes, obviously. He wouldn't play, but, I mean, 4,740 yards, 38 touchdowns, only six interceptions. Really held the interceptions down this year, which was incredible. 108.2 passer rating and 63, 66.3 completion percentage. He has not stopped, ladies and gentlemen. Mahomes is still riding his high horse. He's done it for the last three seasons. He's going to the Super Bowl for a second time in a row and has a good chance of winning it for the second time in a row. Obviously a Pro Bowl candidate. Next, Josh Allen really coming into his own this season. 4,544 yards. 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 107.2 passer rating, and 69.2 completion percentage. Well done, Josh Allen. Really took this team by storm. Stefan Diggs coming in. The talk of the town in Buffalo was the relationship between Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, and it really showed even into the AFC Championship game. And now, finally, Houston gets some recognition. Deshaun Watson, Pro Bowler, once again, 4,823 yards. That is the most in the NFL. 33 touchdowns, only seven interceptions. Man, the man didn't throw very very many interceptions, which was amazing. 112.4 pass rating. That was second or third in the NFL. 70.2 completion percentage. That was second when it comes to quarterbacks who played 16 games. Well done, Deshaun Watson. Sadly, he might not stay, but we'll get into that later. Running backs for the AFC, Derrick Henry, obviously. 2,000-yard season, 2,027 yards, 17 touchdowns on the ground. That led the NFL. And 378 carries. That led the NFL, and he played all 16 games. Absolutely the clear front runner for running back of the year, which isn't a reward, award, but totally was Derrick Henry in 2020. Next was Nick Chubb, who actually only played 12 games this season, but still, 1,067 yards, 12 touchdowns in those 12 games, 190 carries. Cleveland was a different defense with Chubb in the backfield. I know they had Kareem Hunt, but Chubb was the steady man who would force the ball downfield he caught the ball great out of the backfield in the in the regular season. He just had a magnificent performance, and I know the Browns are happy to have him. The third guy would be Josh Jacobs from Las Vegas. This one surprised me a little bit. Great stats. I mean, 1,065 yards, 12 touchdowns, 273 carries, only 15 games. He helped the Raiders a lot this year, especially when they were dealing with quarterback struggles. So good for him. I would... I've liked, let's just give some honorable mentions real quick. Jonathan Taylor, rookie out of Indianapolis, definitely I thought should, 
should have deserved some recognition as well. James Robinson, an undrafted rookie from Jacksonville, had a phenomenal season as well. Only played 14 games, but still, he was the offensive man for Jacksonville when they literally had no quarterback. So good job for those two rookies. But again, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, and Josh Jacobs, pro bowlers at the AFC running back position. Wide receivers now. We've got four wide receivers and... I mean, these guys, in my opinion, were definitely worth it. Stefan Diggs, I mean, what can't you say about this guy? Led the league 1,535 yards, 127 receptions. Those both led the NFL and eight touchdowns. Played all 16 games. It's a pretty big deal when you're able to play all 16 games. You stay healthy. You're able to help out your team. I really respect people we're able to stay healthy and play all 16 games of the season and it truly helps your stats but definitely Stefan Diggs I don't know if I'd put him as the number one wide receiver this year but statistics wise and the way he helped out his team because before him Buffalo truly did not have a number one wide receiver and now they have found their guy second for the AFC wide receiver Tyreek Hill this is Patrick Mahomes man 1,276 yards, 15 touchdowns, 87 receptions, and only 15 games played. The cheetah is legit. That's all I got to say about this man. He is, I don't know if I should say their number one wide receiver. Their number one receiver might be Travis Kelsey, but it's, I mean, it could be, it could be Tyreek Hill as well. I'm not sure, but all you got to do it was like when we said how to guard Buffalo was to stop Stephon Diggs. How to guard Kansas City is to stop Tyreek Hill and to stop Travis Kelsey. And Travis Kelsey we'll get to in a second. But great job for Tyreek Hill. Absolutely deserved it. Third on the list is A.J. Brown from Tennessee. 1,075 yards, 11 touchdowns, 70 receptions, and only 14 games played. This, in my opinion, came out of nowhere. A.J. Brown did in Tennessee. They have Corey Davis, but Brown was Tannehill's guy in the regular season when Derrick Henry was getting the ball on the ground. A.J. Brown was getting it through the air. Well done to Brown. Phenomenal season. I I expect him to do very well next season as well. Last on the list, and this one kind of did surprise me a little bit, but it's Keenan Allen. And I like this selection because of the impact of the team. I know Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Chargers have some other wide receivers on the list, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, but Keenan Allen, especially since he's been injured the last few years, was able to stay healthy, 14 games, 992 yards, 8 touchdowns, 100 receptions, was a very, very cool target for Justin Herbert in his rookie season. Hopefully he'll be able to stay healthy in years to come because now LA's got a quarterback who they love And now they've got a head coach who they can work with. The Chargers are going to be deadly next year, especially with a good draft. Moving on to the tight end position, Travis Kelsey. Duh. 1,416 yards. That was the second by any receiver in the National Football League. Broke a tight end record. He had 105 receptions, 11 touchdowns, and only 15 games played because he sat out the last game. This was the most dominant tight end performance the NFL has ever seen. He was the most targeted guy on the team, most yards, most not not most touchdowns, but whenever there was a tight situation late in the game, it was Kelsey who was the go-to. I don't know why defenses haven't figured it out, but it's either been Hill or Kelsey for Mahomes to throw to. And apparently, nobody can stop both. Kelsey, obviously, a pro bowler this year. And if you have a dominant performance in the NFL, you could put even as a Super Bowl MVP. I wouldn't put it past Kelsey after this season. The second tight end in the AFC would be Darren Waller. Pretty much your next greatest tight end in the NFL. 1,196 yards, 9 touchdowns and 107 receptions, plus played all 16 games, stayed healthy, 
went back to his rookie year kind of season last year. Absolutely dominant. Kind of struggled early on, but found his stride by the end. Really caught fire late in the season. Great job, Darren Waller. Obviously, pro bowler. For the kicking side, for the other scoring side for the AFC, we have Justin Tucker, the man, the myth, the legend, the most accurate kicker in the NFL history. This year, 26 of 29 field goals, 52 of 53 in extra points. Well done, JT. And now to mention some other offensive linemen and offensive players for the AFC. Fullback Patrick Rickard from the Ravens, or Patrick Ricard, my bad, from the Ravens. Uh, Tackles, Lermy Tunsil from the Texans, Eric Fisher from the Chiefs, Orlando Brown from the Ravens, guard Quinton Nelson from the Colts, Joel Betonio from the Browns, David DeCastro from the Steelers, center Marquise Pouncey from the Steelers, and Ryan Kelly with the Colts. Moving on to the defensive side, a stacked AFC defense, especially from the cornerback position. We'll get to them in a second. But defensive end, Pro Bowl AFC, Miles Garrett, 12 sacks, 48 total tackles, and four forced fumbles. People had him as defensive player of the year going into the season. I don't think that'll happen, but definitely a successful season for, for Miles Garrett. Joey Bosa, seven and a half sacks. 39 total tackles. He's had some injuries as of late, but was able to stay healthy this year and truly helped that defense that honestly struggled all year, but Bosa was definitely a rock when it comes to the defensive end position. Frank Clark with the Kansas City Chiefs has been a huge impact on that team. We kept saying it most of the year. Chiefs actually have a defense, and Clark was a big impact. Six sacks, 29 total tackles. Another part of that Chiefs defense that was huge comes in the defensive tackle position. Pro Bowler Chris Jones. Huge Super Bowl play last year. Again, having a nice season. Seven and a half sacks, 36 total tackles. Also at the defensive tackle position for the AFC Pro Bowl, we have Cameron Hayward with the Pittsburgh Steelers. The wily old veteran gets another four sacks, 54 total tackles in 2020. Also, Calais Campbell being shipped off to the Ravens gets four sacks, 28 total tackles, and only 12 games played. Truly a big impact for that Ravens defense, which has kind of faltered. Not faltered, but they've had some guys come and go, but great pickup in Calais Campbell for that Ravens D. Outside linebacker position, TJ Watt. My vote for Defensive Player of the Year led the league with 15 sacks, had 53 total tackles, 7 passes deflected, and 26 tackles for loss, which also led the NFL. Truly looked like his older brother, J.J., this season. Absolutely the man when it comes to that solid Pittsburgh defense that there was all season long. I mean, what what can't you say about him? He's the young gun, and he's going to be here for just as long as his older brother. Also at the outline... Outside linebacker position, Bradley Chubb with the Denver Broncos. Seven and a half sacks, 42 total tackles. And Matt Judon with the Baltimore Ravens. Six sacks, 50 total tackles. Inside linebacker, Darius Leonard with three sacks, 132 total tackles. Seven passes deflected and three forced fumbles. Had a phenomenal season with that revamped Colts defense. Hopefully he'll be able to stay next season and get that team farther in the playoffs. Also at the ILB, Tremaine Edmonds with the Buffalo Bills, two sacks, 119 total tackles. Now to the cornerback position, Xavier Howard, the man from Miami, 10 interceptions, led the NFL, and 20 passes deflected career season for Howard. We all knew he was good. This year, he just decided to come alive. Also, cornerbacks, Tredavious White, three interceptions, 11 passes deflected, one and a half sacks, and a forced fumble. Marlon Humphrey with the Baltimore Ravens, one interception, 11 passes deflected, two and a half sacks, 
and eight forced fumbles was getting that ball on the ground for sure out of boy Marlon Humphrey. Stephon Gilmore, last year's Defensive Player of the Year, not as great of a season this year, but still an interception, 37 total tackles, only played 11 games. But for a depleted New England defense, Stephon still had a great season. At the free safety position, Minka Fitzpatrick, obviously Pro Bowl season with the Pittsburgh Steelers, best player in their secondary. Four interceptions, 11 passes deflected, 79 total t- tackles, and an interception in one of those four, and and a touchdown in one of those four interceptions. Also at the FS, Justin Simmons, five interceptions, nine passes deflected, and 96 total tackles. And finally, closing out the AFC defense, Tyron Matthew at the strong safety position, six interceptions, nine passes deflected, and 62 total tackles for the Honey Badger from KC. Rounding out the list for the AFC Pro Bowl roster, we have long snapper Morgan Cox from the Baltimore Ravens, punter Jake Bailey from the New England Patriots, returners Andre Roberts from the Bills, and Matthew Slater with the Patriots. Going over to the NFC side of the ball, we have our first quarterback out of three, and it is and I will try to do this in my best Stephen A. Smith voice. The bad man, Aaron Rodgers. 4,299 yards, 48 touchdowns, led the league. Five interceptions, led the league with the least amount of interceptions for a full 16-game quarterback. 121.5 passer rating, that led the NFL. 70.7 completion percentage, that led the NFL. By far the best quarterback in the NFL throughout the regular season. Couldn't get it done in the NFC Championship, but hey, in my opinion, definitely the Hall of Fame caliber type of season that Aaron Rodgers had been looking for for a long time. Well done to Aaron Second would be Russell Wilson, 4,021 yards, 40 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, got a little bit carried away at the end of the season, 105.1 passer rating and 66.3 completion percentage. Not a bad year for Russ. Good job making it to another Pro Bowl. Definitely deserved it. Late Up next, First-time Pro Bowler Kyler Murray from Arizona, second year in the league, and he did spectacular. 3,971 yards, 26 touchdowns through the air, 12 interceptions, 94.5 pass rating, 67.2% completion. So the quarterback statistics aren't great, but here's the thing. The man had 819 rushing yards with 11 rushing touchdowns. You don't find that in many running backs these days. Absolutely did incredible both in the air and on the ground. Attaboy, Kyler. At the running back spot for the NFC, Dalvin Cook. He was right up there with Derrick Henry for the best running backs in the league. Clearly the number two guy after Derrick Henry. 1,557 yards. That was second. 16 touchdowns, that was second. 312 carries, second. And only played 14 games. Really, this is probably, obviously Dalvin Cook's best year. But finally a year where he was able to stay healthy throughout the season and really make a big impact in that Minnesota offense. Aaron Jones with the Green Bay Packers. 1,104 yards, 9 touchdowns, 201 carries, 14 games, and did great job through the air as well. I mean, this guy, he was unstoppable at the beginning of the year. Maybe not so much at the end, but when it comes to a rushing attack from Green Bay, we hadn't really seen this in probably six or seven years. And now Aaron Jones did it last year, did it this year. Mr. Consistent, I'd love to see this guy stay at Green Bay. Last for running backs, Alvin Kamara from New Orleans, 932 rushing yards, 16 rushing touchdowns, including a six-touchdown game against Minnesota on Christmas Day, 187 carries, 15 games, plus receiving the ball, 
756 yards, five touchdowns, and 83 receptions. Those sound like wide receiver numbers to me. The man was able to do it on both sides of the ball. Really the main weapon coming for New Orleans this season. Clearly a Pro Bowl nominee. At the wide receiver spot, first up, Devontae Adams. This, in my mind, was the number one wide receiver in the National Football League. Only 14 games played, but listen to these stats. 1,374 yards, 18 touchdowns, 115 receptions. When he was on the field, he was the number one weapon for Aaron Rodgers, and he proved it too. Absolutely remarkable season. Who knows what he would have done if he had played those last two games. 14 games, 18 touchdowns, unheard of. Nice job, Devontae. DeAndre Hopkins, Arizona Cardinals, 1,407 yards, 6 touchdowns, 115 carries, and he was able to make through all 16 games. Clearly made an impact being traded over from the Houston Texans, sadly. But, I mean, absolutely had a great season. He and Kyler really kicked it off. DK Metcalf, Seattle Seahawks, 1,303 yards, 10 touchdowns, 83 receptions, 16 games played. This was the type of year Metcalf we saw coming, kind of when he was out of college, Ole Miss, really had the Megatron kind of talent. Hadn't put, Didn't put it together last year, but this year Russell really found his man. Him and Tyler Lockett were an incredible duo this season, and he's going to be hard to stop in the future. Rookie Justin Jefferson out of Minnesota, 1,400 yards, 7 touchdowns, 88 receptions, and played all 16 games. Some are saying Jefferson might win Rookie of the Year. He's right up there with Justin Herbert, in my opinion. But these, but this man, it was debatable whether he was able to pull off what he did in college to the NFL level, especially he was like the third wide receiver to get drafted in the second round. Absolutely worth it, especially with Stephon Diggs leaving Minnesota for Justin Jefferson to come in and do what he did. They found their number one wide receiver of the future, Minnesota for sure. Going to the tight end spot, TJ Hawkinson from Detroit, 723 yards, six touchdowns, 67 receptions, and 16 games played. Second-year man coming out of Iowa, really struggled his rookie year, coming into his own his second year in the NFL. He was a nice target for Matthew Stafford, and whoever's the Detroit wide receiver, or quarterback next year has definitely got himself a solid tight end. Nice job for making the first Pro Bowl, TJ Hawkinson. Second, Evan Ingram from New York, 654 yards, only one touchdown, but 63 receptions and 16 games played. Did a nice job today, or he really did a nice job both blocking and receiving the ball. And with Daniel Jones and not a lot of weapons out wide, Evan Ingram was a solid man, especially up the middle. Attaboy, Evan Ingram. Kicker position for the NFC coming out of nowhere in 2020 was Young Way Koo. 37 of 39. In field goals, 33 of 36 in extra points. Biggest thing for me, he was 8 for 8 when it came to kicks of 50 yards or more. And he only played 15 games. From deep, the man was lock solid. Great job, young way. On the offensive line for the NFC, we have at the tackle position, David Bakhtiari for the Green Bay Packers. Trent Williams for the 49ers. Taryn Armstead for the New Orleans Saints. At guard, Brandon Sheriff from the New Washington football team. Elton Jenkins from the Green Bay Packers. Andrus Pete from the New Orleans Saints. At center, Jason Kelsey from the Philadelphia Eagles. And Frank Ragnow from the, New, uh, from the Detroit Lions. And on the defensive side of the ball, defensive end, Cameron Jordan, New Orleans Saints. 7.5 sacks, 51 total tackles, and three 
passes defended. Another outstanding season by Cameron Jordan. I mean, he had a great season last year, did it again this year. The solid man on that amazing New Orleans defense. Brandon Graham from the Philadelphia Eagles, eight sacks, 46 total tackles, two forced fumbles, and 15 tackles for loss in 2020. The wily old veteran has done it again. That's all I got to say. On the other hand, rookie Chase Young, number two overall pick, seven and a half sacks, 44 total tackles, four passes deflected, four forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries, including a touchdown, and he only played 15 games. Absolutely stud on the rookie side of the ball. Should easily win Defensive Rookie of the Year. A defensive tackle, it's the man, Aaron Donald, with another, in my opinion, Hall of Fame caliber career if he keeps this up. 13 and a half sacks, 45 total tackles, four forced fumbles, and 20 tackles for loss. That was tied for second. Another Philadelphia Eagle, Fletcher Cox, six and a half sacks, 41 total tackles, and 15 games played. And also from the Atlanta Falcons, which surprised me a little bit, Grady Jarrett, four and a half sacks, 52 total tackles, and 11 tackles for a loss. Great job, Grady Jarrett, coming out of very weak Atlanta defense, getting himself into the Pro Bowl. Outside linebacker, Khalil Mack from Chicago, nine sacks, 50 total tackles, and an interception with three forced fumbles. Another Pro Bowl career, another Pro Bowl caliber season for Khalil. Zadarius Smith from the Green Bay Packers, 12 and a half sacks, 52 total tackles and four forced fumbles. Jason Pierre-Paul with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, nine and a half sacks, 55 total tackles, six passes deflected, two interceptions, and four forced fumbles all across the board for Jason Pierre-Paul. We'll see how he does in Tampa for the Super Bowl. Inside linebacker, Bobby Wagner from the Seattle Seahawks, three and a half sacks, or 3.0 sacks, 138 total tackles, and eight passes deflected. And also, Fred Warner from the San Francisco 49ers, a sack, 125 tackles, and two interceptions with a forced fumble. Nice job, Mr. Warner. At the quarterback position, Jalen Ramsey, only one interception and nine passes deflected. But here's the thing, guys. The man wasn't thrown to very often. Only 64 targets and 32 receptions. He was an absolute beast wide out, especially with some very talented receivers in his division and throughout the Rams' schedule. He, in my opinion, was right up there as maybe the best corner in the league outside of Xavier Howard. Jairi Alexander from the Green Bay Packers, an interception, 13 passes deflected, 51 total tackles, and a forced fumble. Really kind of just exhilarated this secondary for Green Bay, which has struggled as of late. Marshawn Lattimore with the New Orleans Saints, two interceptions, 11 passes deflected, 62 total tackles. James Bradbury, from the New York Giants, really coming out of nowhere. We talked about him earlier in the season, but he has really come alive in this New York defense. Three interceptions, 18 passes deflected, 45 or 54 total tackles, including two forced fumbles. At the free safety position, Quandre Diggs from the Seattle Seahawks, five interceptions, 10 passes deflected, and 64 total tackles with a terrible Seattle overall defense. Quandre Diggs really had himself a nice season in that secondary. At the strong safety position, we've got both Buda Baker with the Arizona Cardinals. Two interceptions, six passes deflected, 118 tackles, one forced fumble, and two sacks of his own. Jamal Adams with the Seattle Seahawks traded from the New York Jets Really struggled early, but get this, guys. Even though he didn't have a single interception and only three passes deflected, he had nine and a half sacks, 83 total tackles, 
and 14 tackles for loss. They really used him in an interesting way that I thought, like, they, they basically changed how they ran their defense, especially in the secondary. And Jamal eventually had a Pro Bowl caliber season. Some other positions, long snapper Tyler Ott with the Seattle Seahawks, punter Jack Fox from the Detroit Lions, and returners Cordell Patterson with the Chicago Bears and Nick Bellore with the Seattle Seahawks. Well, guys, that rounds off your complete lineups for the 2021 Pro Bowl. Doesn't get a lot of recognition this day, these days. I'm glad we were able to do that. Congratulations to all those as Pro Bowl selections and making their way to the Super Bowl. Now, the other hot topic that has been going around in the NFL has been Deshaun Watson. Earlier in the week, Deshaun formally requested a trade or hold on. We got to actually back up. Okay. Earlier in the week, the Houston Texans hired David Culley to be their new head coach. The a day later, Deshaun Watson formally requests a trade. Now, let's let's explain all that for a second. Okay, David Culley, Baltimore Ravens assistant coach, has never been a coordinator, has never been a head coach in the NFL, but he's been in this league for 27 seasons now, six different teams, and everybody likes him. He's been with the Andy Reid system. He was just with John Harbaugh at the Ravens. Everybody loves him. Everybody thinks he's a great leader. Same guy, in and out, who really knows how to change the atmosphere of a team, which I will grant Houston. It's what we've needed. It's what we've been looking for. I actually like this hire. Even though he might not have experience at a coordinator or head coach position, people have been saying he should be a head coach at Vanderbilt, and he never got the job there, probably because he wanted to stick in the NFL. Now he's got his dream job. We'll see what happens. But the bigger question is whether Deshaun actually is going to stay. Although he has officially requested a trade, in his contract, which he just signed this season, there is a no-trade clause, meaning if the if the Houston Texans want to trade Deshaun to someplace, Deshaun has the right to say no. Basically, he gets to choose where he wants to be traded, if at all. If the Texans don't make a trade or don't want to trade him, they are perfectly okay with just keeping him, in which case Deshaun would have to choose whether he'd like to play or sit out. From the Texans' standpoint, this was just posted yesterday, both David Coley, the new head coach, and Nick Casario, the GM, want to keep Deshaun. Coley, according to ESPN staff writer Sarah Bishop, quoted, he's the quarterback of the Houston Texans, and that's all I was concerned about. That's all I knew, and whatever was being said about he what he wanted to do or didn't want to do, all I know is this. He is a Houston Texan, and I wanted to be a Houston Texan, and the reason I'm in this position today is because I knew he's going to be a Houston Texan. The outside stuff was being said is irrelevant to me. That was David Culley. Nick Casario, in a press conference, said, We have zero interest in play- in trading the player. We have a great plan, a great vision for for him and for this team and his role on this team. We look forward to the opportunity to spend more time with him here this spring. So in this article by Sarah Bishop, everything the Texans needed to say was said. Both the head coach and the GM want to keep Deshaun, love Deshaun, want to see him as a Texan. These were the two guys that Deshaun was upset about Jack Easterby and Rob McNair hiring. So I I love what Cully and Casario are doing. That being said, it would be very hard, in my opinion, to change Deshaun Watson's mind. Because the problem is not with who's on the sideline. The problem is who's in the press box, who's truly 
running this team. And when you have a problem with the source of a team, it's very hard to forgive it. Do I want to see Deshaun Watson as a Houston Texan in 2021? Absolutely. I mean, that's a stupid question. Of course I want to see Deshaun Watson as a Houston Texan in 2021. The man just had his best season statistically. He's only 24 years old. We just signed him to a major contract. We've got a new head coach. We're thinking about hiring some, maybe some other staff members. I'm not sure. But I really think this could be a new team in 2021. Now, like I said, it will probably be very difficult to change Deshaun Watson's mind, which means I need to be prepared for wherever this guy goes. And I need to also understand that we might not make the best trade for him, but we can make some pretty good trades. I have 20 different teams that we could trade Deshaun Watson to who should be calling Houston to maybe offer something for Deshaun Watson that could be reasonable for the Houston Texans to take. Let's look at them. These are not in a particular order. Afterwards, I will go through and say the ones that I really like. Um, And I just did this a few weeks ago, but this is the hot topic in sports, so we're going to go through it again, especially considering some other things have gone on. All right, Miami Dolphins. This is in the AFC. Miami Dolphins, clearly a great, great spot for him to end up with the defense, with the head coach, with the managers. This would be unbelievable for Deshaun Watson because I really think the quarterback position was the main thing that held Miami back from going to the playoffs. New England Patriots, with a struggling offense, could easily offer something for Deshaun Watson. The New York Jets are struggling at QB. They have probably the best draft capita and the best uh, cap space right now. The Jets sitting at $63 million in cap space right now. So they are sitting high and mighty. Also in the AFC, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think could make a reasonable offer with Big Ben kind of losing his stride, but they still have weapons on both sides of the ball. Indianapolis Colts with Phillip Rivers, Retirement could easily make an offer. The Jacksonville Jaguars, even though they have the number one pick, you could also make a trade for Deshaun Watson and guarantee yourself a high-caliber high quarterback. Denver Broncos, with a struggling Drew Locke, could make an offer. Las Vegas Raiders, this one I'm not so sure about. I think Derek Carr might be their future, but it's always good to take a look. I would easily take Deshaun Watson over Derek Carr. The Dallas Cowboys, with the contract issues with Dak Prescott, could and like the the struggles they've been having with him, could easily make a trade for Deshaun Watson. Give Dak to Houston, take in Deshaun Watson. I would have no problems with that. The New York Giants, with Daniel Jones struggling, could make a trade for Deshaun. Philadelphia Eagles, we're not too sure. We're not too sure about either Carson Wentz or Jalen Hurts could at least call up the Houston Texans to talk. Washington football team, Alex Smith is old. He's hurt. You don't really have a backup anymore. I'd at least give Houston a call. Chicago Bears, Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles, neither of them come even close to a Deshaun Watson type player. Especially, I mean, you're not looking good when it comes to cap space. But you definitely have some weapons you could trade over. Detroit Lions. This is an interesting one. With Matthew Stafford expected to go, there are some weapons for Detroit and a new head coach who's absolutely going to light a fire underneath the Lions would be a nice spot for Deshaun. Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers doubting his career. You take in a 24-year-old Deshaun Watson, you have your quarterback of the future. Minnesota Vikings, this one is very unlikely, but I put these guys in there because, let me ask you all a question. You have an option of two quarterbacks, both who have similar contracts. Deshaun Watson, Kirk Cousins, who are you going to take? It's kind of a no-brainer. I would take Deshaun Watson over Kirk Cousins. You offer Watts, you offer Kirk Cousins, you offer a few first-round draft picks and maybe a few guys from your defense that 
easily could happen. Atlanta Falcons with an old Matt Ryan could in the in the fourth overall pick could easily make an offer. Carolina Panthers not sure about their quarterback right now. Is Terry Teddy Bridgewater their man? Easily could make an offer. L.A. Rams both the GM and the head coach are having struggles with Jared Goff. Call up the Houston Texans, make an offer for Deshaun Watson, and finally the San Francisco 49ers. This is an easy one for me. Jimmy Garoppolo's hurt. Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't played well. You have the space for Deshaun Watson. You have the the draft picks for Deshaun Watson. You have a few defensive guys you could trade for Deshaun Watson. The only reason that they that the 49ers were held in 2020 was because of all the injuries. You bring in a Pro Bowl top six quarterback in the NFL to the San Francisco 49ers and they stay healthy, that's easily, easily a Super Bowl caliber team. Now, out of those 20, let's look back and let's narrow this down a little bit. All right, Miami, yes, absolutely could make an offer. New England, for sure. Jets, yes. Pittsburgh, this one I'm not so sure about. Simply because Big Ben has been the man in Pittsburgh for his entire career. The The city absolutely loves him. For them to get rid of Big Ben would, would very much hurt the city as a whole. Plus, they just signed Dwayne Haskins. And that possibly could be their back out. So let's take out Pittsburgh. Indianapolis. There have been some rumors that Indy will take Matthew Stafford or another free agent quarterback. And Houston Texans trading to their own division would not be super smart. Jacksonville. All right, there is a chance that Jacksonville could make an offer. But I'm looking at the new head coach of Urban Meyer. He's going to probably want either Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. So I think they're going to want to keep that number one pick. Let's take them out. Denver, yes, easily could. Las Vegas, like I said, I'm not sure about this one. We'll take them out for now. Dallas is an interesting one for me with the Dak Prescott situation. Let's keep them in right now. New York Giants, who a lot of people are saying you could offer Saquon Barkley for for um, for De- for Deshaun Watson. I really don't see that happening. I'm going to take the Giants out for right now. Philadelphia Eagles, I'd stick with Jalen Hurts. Let's take them out. Washington football team, yes, could make an offer. Chicago could make an offer. Detroit, I don't know. I'll keep them in for now. Green Bay, absolutely can keep them in there. Minnesota, let's just say they keep Kirk Cousins. We'll keep. We'll take them out. Atlanta, though I think they'll keep... Um, Matt Ryan, they easily could draft a Zach Wilson or a Justin Fields with their fourth overall pick. Let's take them out for now. Although, if I'm Houston, I'm easily going to go for an offer from Atlanta. Carolina, not so sure about this one. I don't really think they have the offer to give Houston anything, so we'll take them out. LA Rams, yes. San Francisco, yes. What does that break us down to? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Okay, we're now down to 11 teams that have a reasonable shot at offering something uh, as offering something to the Houston Texans. Now, out of those 11, let's go from there to what the Houston Texans would want. Like let's look at this from a Houston Texans standpoint. Miami. Uh, we know Miami is at a quarterback dilemma right now. Easily could ask for something. But you could get a quarterback, honestly, let's just hypothetically, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a free agent. He's been with Houston. He is a veteran. He has over and over again explained how he wants to be a starter in the NFL. Let's pull him cheap, get rid of Deshaun to a team. I'd be okay with that. You go to Miami, you're like, hey, we'll take your third overall pick, which was ours. We'll take that back. We'll take the 18th overall pick. We'll take, I don't know, Mike Gusecki. And we'll take one of one of your secondary. Hi, hypothetically, one of those. I'd, I wouldn't love it. Like I said, I want Deshaun to stay, but I'd be okay with it. I think that would be a reasonable trade. 
New England, they have the 15th overall pick. Okay. Let's say New England. We take your first overall pick this year. We take your first overall pick next year. We'll take Joe Thune, who's an offensive lineman who has had some injury problems, so he's injury prone, but I easily think we could get him. And we'll take a Devin McCourty. I don't think we could go for Stephon Gilmore, although I would love a Stephon Gilmore. But let's say a Devin McCourty. And we'll give you Deshaun Watson, and we'll hire a free agent of Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then maybe go draft a Najee Harris. I'd be okay with that. The New York Jets. This one is the hard one. For me, anyway. Because, yes, you have the draft space. So you could get both their first-round picks this year and their first-round picks next year. But here's the thing for the Jets. They're going to want Sam Darnold. Or they're going to want to trade Sam Darnold. I wouldn't necessarily like Sam Darnold at the moment if I can go get a Ryan Fitzpatrick cheap. So I would ask solely for draft picks, mainly in the first round from the New York Jets, and still go sign Ryan Fitzpatrick. Denver, this one's hard too. These guys are nowhere near the top. You got the ninth overall pick, okay. But I mean, what else does Denver have? What could Denver possibly offer? They don't have a superstar on defense other than like Bradley Chubb and Von Miller. Von Miller sat the entire year. Um, I don't think they'd be willing to trade either of those guys. Ninth overall pick, not a lot of other draft capita. It would be very difficult for Denver, and I don't want Drew Locke. So it would be very difficult for Denver to do anything. Dallas, on the other hand, okay, now we got an interesting one. Tenth overall pick, a Dak Prescott who's technically not on contract. He's still on his rookie season. So a, a Dak Prescott that we could force to make a contract. The tenth overall pick, first overall pick next year. And honestly, a struggling Ezekiel Elliott? You might be able to get him too. I'm not sure. But for DeAndre Hopkins or for Deshaun Watson, it might be worth it. Washington football team. This is another hard one as well. Unless you're going to try to take from that outstanding defense, you might not get anybody from Washington football team. 19th overall pick. You can take their second round pick, first round pick. They don't have a ton of draft picks. Um, and I don't want an injured Alex Smith. So, I mean, I would take Washington football team, um, McLaren um, on the wide receiver position. I don't want a wide receiver. So that one would be very difficult as well, unless we take two of their starters on defense when, because they had a fantastic defense. Uh, Chicago. This is an interesting one. If I'm, um, if I'm Houston, I'll go to Chicago and say, okay, We'll take Nick Foles, because I think Nick Foles would be all right. Uh, Your first-round picks for the next three seasons and a third-round pick this year. That'd be okay. Not great. Again, there are way better offers, but not great. Uh, Detroit. This one's really hard. Houston needs offensive line and defense. Detroit has neither. They have the seventh overall pick. It's not great. Could you trade Matthew Stafford for Deshaun? Yeah, but I'm going to need more than that. I need Matthew Stafford plus at least for three first-round picks. You could get that. I would consider it for sure. Uh, Green Bay Packers. This one's simple. Give me A.J. Dillon, give me Aaron Rodgers, and your first overall pick for the next two seasons. You lay that down right there, um, easily we'll, we'll give you to Green Bay. I love this Green Bay one. L.A. Rams. I'm not a huge Jared Goff fan, but I'll take somebody like um we'll take Cam Akers. We'll take Cam Akers, your next three overall picks, and one of your starting defensive guys. Because they're not gonna get rid of Jalen Ramsey or Aaron Donald. I mean, if you could get a Jalen Ramsey, I would take it, but I don't think that's gonna happen. And the San Francisco 49ers. This one's pretty simple to me. We'll take your, a star defensive player, Raheem Moster, and your next three overall first-round overall picks. That one's pretty simple to me. So let's narrow these down a little bit more. Let's try to get down to five. It's pretty difficult, but let's get down to five. Whom 
the uh, Houston Texans should want to get a trade from people. All right, I think we can take Denver out for sure. I think we can take Dallas out. Let's say Dallas sticks with Dak. I would. Uh, Washington doesn't have much, so we'll take them out. Chicago has a few things. Detroit doesn't have much. I'll take them out. Um, What else do we got here? We're down to seven. The Rams would be pretty tough to get some stuff from because they have a stacked defense. I wouldn't know about them. And then we'll take... We'll take um, New England out. New England is looking at a pretty good spot to grab a Mac Jones or a um, Kyle Trask in the draft. So five best people to go ask for things from would be Miami, New York Jets, Chicago Bears, Green Bay Packers, San Francisco 49ers. Actually, I don't like that Chicago one. I'm going to put New England back in there. I like that better. All right. this right. I'm pretty confident in this. Miami, New York, New England, Green Bay, San Francisco. All right. Now, we we know what the offers we want if we're if we're Houston. We're going to go to the third aspect of this, which is where would Deshaun want to go? Let's just say we get a solid offer for any of these five teams. Which one would Deshaun want to go to the most? Miami, obviously. This would be fantastic. As Stephen A. has said multiple times, Native American GM and a Native American or Native American owner, um, and a, a black black owner and a black uh, head coach. As Stephen A. Smith put it, you have an African American owner and an African African American head coach, completely relatable to Deshaun Watson. I would totally consider it. You have an outstanding defense number one or two scoring defense in the NFL last season. complete. You have great draft base, great weapons. No-brainer for Deshaun. The New York Jets. Whew, this one's tough for Deshaun. He's got the head coach he's always wanted in Robert Sala. For sure, the head coach is money. Everything else is really hurting, especially because you're going to lose many draft picks trying to get Deshaun. I don't know if I if the Jets would be a great spot. If you love the head coach that much and you're willing to stick it out with that head coach, I completely understand because I think Robert Sala is the man. I've been saying it all year since we got rid of Bill O'Brien. I wanted Sala in Houston. We decided to ignore Deshaun. Now he's in New York, and now you might lose your starting quarterback to the New York Jets because of one head coach. Although Houston might not do great as better as when he was with Houston, he would still have a good head coaching uh, position around him and good staff around him. The New England Patriots, I mean, who wouldn't want to go play with Bill Belichick? Except the New England Patriots are really struggling on talent right now. Deshaun really ha- wouldn't have anybody to go to. Green Bay, on the other hand, you could go to a lot of places with Green Bay. Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Valdez Scantling, Lazard, Tanyan, the new crazy tight end, multiple weapons on defense. Matt LaFleur really showed himself, except in this last game, to be a fantastic head coach. Green Bay looks really good to me. San Francisco. This one is really good as well. Kyle Shanahan, Nick Bosa, Jeff Wilson Jr., Debo Samuel, Richard Sherman. Are you kidding me? This is the same team that made it to the Super Bowl last year, X a few injuries. Otherwise, these guys are right back where they were. You'd, you wouldn't have Robert Sala on defense, but they still have the talent, and they'd still be a formidable defense next season. I think that's a great spot. So let's knock these off a few more. Let's get down to our final three guys. I would take New England out and New York out for where Deshaun would want to go. So here are the top three places who both should ask for Deshaun Watson and should and the Houston Texans should consider making a trade with, and where Deshaun should want to go. That would be the Miami Dolphins, the Green Bay Packers, and the San Francisco 49ers. You make good trades with either of those teams, I would be happy getting rid of Deshaun. Anything less, anything less, I would be fuming like I was with DeAndre Hopkins. If Deshaun is clearly not wanting to go, those are the teams. 
if he's considering to stay, you scratch and dive and kick and scream to keep Deshaun Watson in Houston. Both the head coach and the GM have said it. I believe in these two gentlemen. I actually like both of these hires. I know we ignored Deshaun Watson when it came to the process, but if these guys can save our season with keeping Deshaun in Houston, I think they're the smartest hiring choices we've ever made. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes your episode of NFL Study Hall. Thank you so much for tuning in this evening. We will catch you all next week when we devote the entire episode to Super Bowl 55.